Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coderance Talks, the podcast where we talk all things technology, software development, and craftsmanship. I am Jose. You know where on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I'll be your host for today's session. And today's topic is fascinating, and it's also something that I know our guest feels very passionate about. We're going to be talking about uh, organizations, what makes them tick. Uh, we're going to look at them from a social perspective, but also from a scientific point of view. And uh, we're going to see how that knowledge is used to then you know, transform these organizations or uh, improve the decision-making at any level. Um, with me today uh, to explore these topics, we have Laura Weiss. Uh, she's a PhD in business psychology from UCL and a strategist and consultant at Citalia uh, as an expert in the field of organizational design and network analysis. On her day-to-day, -day, she uses her background on organizational psychology and a mixture of social, network, and data science to create solutions to help companies navigate organizational complexity. Laura, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Mm -hmm. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so this is a huge topic, right? Like we, you know, we we've mentioned lots of things: organizational design, networks, etc. Uh, for for the listeners out there, what are these things? Like, what is, for instance, organizational design and and network analysis? Yes, like you said, I mean, this whole topic is massive, and I think um, that's also part of the problem that people. A lot, a lot of people kind of refer to different things when they talk about these issues. So if they talk about people analytics, if they speak about um, organizational design, when they speak about HR, when they speak about diversity and inclusion, when they speak about anything kind of human related. So um, I think whenever I start a conversation in kind of around anything concerning this, um, it's always good to kind of throw out some definitions. And With regards to definitions, I don't think there's really a right or wrong. It's just to clarify um, what you mean um, in the kind of following conversation. I think that's really important because I've seen so many times that there have been kind of initiatives in this area. And um, <laughs> until quite far into the process, people had very different ideas of what they mean if they say, okay, well, you know, we're going to tackle inclusion in an organization or we're going to tackle. Uh, we're going to change the organizational structure or we're going to look at informal processes. Or So it's it's really important to define that from my perspective. From my experience, there's no universal definition of these things. So um, you kind of have to, before starting a conversation, sometimes kind of explain yourself um, what you mean by those things. Okay. So uh, in, in, uh, in the context of what we're going to be discussing today, um, what is organizational design? Um, so for me, because I'm a social scientist, I kind of look at social, uh, organizational design from a perspective of kind of human and social capital, um, as well as, I guess, from a perspective of strategic workforce management. So I kind of start by considering the elements which make up the organization, um, which uh, kind of is what I refer to as sort of human capital. So those are understanding the people which operate in an organization. Then um, what I understand as social capital, um, where kind of organizational network analysis comes in, uh, is how um, those people interact, how these people share knowledge, how these people collaborate, how leaders um, 
uh, lead people, um, help people um, come up with innovative ideas, etc. And that is that is your social capital. And then there are some sort of more strategic processes in the organization, which are um, kind of more on a, a level of how does kind of from a top down uh, an organization uh, instruct these these processes um so that could be um i mean i think the most common example is if you have a hierarchy in an organization so that some people um are which which you can also see as a formal structure uh, or organigram or whatever you want to call it so that's kind of dictates top down how people um are uh, uh, are uh, behaving and how people are working together um and uh, and then when you know if if we look at it, it's, it's a bit like looking at the uh, what makes an organization how it functions beyond the structures no or the, yeah. the the definition in processes or in you know in paper that we may have right uh, the organization in general is is people no so how those people interact and and uh, as you mentioned no with the role of leadership within the organization and and what kind of roles people uh, play within the organization is all part of that design. Absolutely. Um, and and why is this uh, relevant to organizations nowadays? Um, I think it becomes uh, increasingly relevant to understand it because it becomes um, increasingly dynamic and actually understanding how these things function, especially in knowledge-based organizations, becomes um, increasingly difficult. So um, if you look at kind of more traditional organizations or, um, you know, 100 years ago, um, hierarchies and formal structures and processes were dictating almost everything in the workplace. Today, we're kind of moving to these more flatter, um, kind of flexible ways of working where um, a lot of organizations move towards more decentralized ways of working, more kind of swarm-like ways of working. And that's great, I think, because it obviously kind of takes away um, it gives it gives people more agency. It gives it gives people the opportunity to self manage and self organize. However, this comes also with challenges, and one yeah. of the challenges, of course, is to really understand and to make sure that um, this kind of dynamic and less clear way of working is still healthy and efficient, and that you're still obviously um, kind of you, you need some kind of structure. Just kind of not having it does not solve the problem. So I think kind of people analytics and uh, network analysis um, using machine learning um, to kind of create technologies technologies which facilitate this kind of new flatter swarm like um, oftentimes some people you know move more towards sort of a marketplace or gig economy um, it all comes with the same kind of problems is like really how do I understand this new way of yeah, working yeah, because traditionally, right, like in a in well, in, it doesn't have you don't have to go that back far, you know, that that far back, right? For the you know, for a more hierarchical organizations, like you find this in in lots of places. No, uh, for instance, uh, uh, um, banks or things like this, they they tend to have a, a lot of management layers, that kind of stuff, right? And Absolutely. and it sort of has its benefits, no, in, in certain sense, yeah. uh, because you have this idea, well, of I, I have control, I have visibility, you know, like there is this, you know, sort of 
decision center at, at certain levels, that kind of stuff. But when you go for a more flat organization, right? Like when you when you have uh, uh, groups with autonomy, it, it's not that easy, right? No. Like that is not as visible or that no. is not as easy to track, right? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so definitely that's that's a challenge. And so if it is uh, this, this hard to to track how does one then go and you know do something as uh, you know as as difficult as actually researching it like in your case right how how do you uh, find that information out yeah i think the first step is always to think why is it difficult so why is what you just said sometimes a more a more traditional hierarchy um a more traditional organizational design why is that sometimes better and what are the challenges which come with this new way of working i think a lot of people see the benefits obviously people you know there's no you don't really have these traditional managers you have more flexibility you have more um uh, you have you have more say in in the way you kind of progress in your career you have more say um with regards to the project you allocate yourself and so on and so on and so on so people see, see see the benefits but there's also um there are also barriers uh, which come with that for example um understanding your workforce gets harder because they don't have traditional roles so there's not you know for example at Citadia we don't really have a head of marketing or I don't really have, even so in my LinkedIn profile, I might have a particular role. I don't actually have a specifically defined role. I have a set of skills. I have um, a set of, uh, I have experience, but I don't really have a defined role. So there, in those organizations, there might be quite a bit of role ambiguity because people kind of allocate themselves to, to, uh, to, to whatever projects um, kind of suits their skill set um, or whatever project um kind of requires their expertise um so so i would kind of look at okay what can we do i acknowledge the problem of role ambiguity and how can we use then analytics to address that um other problem for example is yes getting rid of hierarchies is one thing but there will be informal hierarchies and a lot of times these informal hierarchies which kind of emerge naturally due to in kind of swarms or in kind of uh, these informal structures um, are a lot of times a lot, a lot more powerful than formal structures. So knowing that, um, what kind of analytics can I use to kind of have a look at these informal structures, which are not necessarily bad at all, because some people just kind of, you know, people are different and they will position themselves differently, but that we kind of have an idea of what's going on here and, um, you know, make sure that it's healthy again. So to answer your question just really shortly, look at the specific problems um, which come with this new way of working and then thinking about what kind of analytics and technology can we use um, to uh, support that and to, to help with those problems. So the uh, that's that's a good way to start. No, like what's what's the objective that you're trying to accomplish, and then from there, you know, let's see what we Always. need to measure. Uh, but I guess uh, in um, let's say in in pre-COVID times, that was a bit, I would say, easier. Is, is it well? Let, is it harder now that we are all remote? Is it or the same principles uh, apply? Or you know, like what are some of the challenges now with with mm. this? Uh, current situation good question i don't actually think that covid has changed it much i actually think i actually personally find that due to the covid 
situation, um, there is a bigger understanding of why um, the why we need to really understand how we operate in an organization and ensure that we understand how people work, how people feel, how people um, uh, kind of exchange information in the organization. Um, so this kind of longing for transparency with regards to how people actually get work done um, actually become bigger um, due to COVID. And so I think the demand and also the um kind of appreciation from the employee like the employees um uh in general uh of using these kind of analytics to ensure that we are working efficiently and effectiveness is uh, effectively is actually bigger i would say and because this appreciation is bigger obviously the motivation to engage in things which we might need to do these analytics um is 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 more there which which is positive could you give me an example? Because I I, I don't know why I have in my head, you know, the whole uh, chip tracking kind of thing, or you know, like because because in the end, if you're if you're looking at how people interact, right, like that's very fluid. It's not like it happens in just one place, right? Like yeah. uh, one meeting room or what. So so how, walk me through that. What are what are some of the the tools in the tool set? Let's say yeah. to to be able to do these things. Um, there's various different ways. Um, and again, it all depends on the question. Why? First of all, like with any kind of project, uh, data science analytics projects, we need to be very, very clear on why we're doing what we're doing. So if we are using, uh, if we want to explore how people um, interact to, for example, identify informal leaders in an organization, um, we might want to use a different technology than if we use uh, if we want to, oh, we, we might use a different method, sorry, um, than if we want to explore if interaction is unbiased, so kind of um, in the scope of a diversity and inclusion project. So regard, depending on that, you might use different kind of methodology and different kind of data. In general, I would say um, when we use uh, social network analysis, and people, predictive people analytics, we kind of either use passive data which is uh, which is data which the organization already has so that can come from kind of hr databases but can also um if available be um kind of you know uh, email networks or calendar data so you can see you know how people um meet and if uh, uh and, and then and then analyze that and visualize that so that's the kind of passive data we can use but we can also use active data which usually comes from kind of very short pulse checks where we actually actually directly ask people um, around, um, you know, who are the people um, they go for uh, to interact with um, kind of on a daily basis to get their work done, who are the people, you know, who um, are uh, influential in terms of um, uh, their decision making. So we can basically just kind of by asking these people get um, what we call active data. Um, so it's kind of a mixture of pulse checks and actively asking people about their opinion and, and about their feelings and using data which is available in an organization. And uh, what kind of, let's say, projects or initiatives usually require this kind of stuff? You mentioned diversity and inclusion, which is obviously a very hot topic uh, now, right? Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, people analytics, but it, you know, could you give more examples of? of yeah. Yeah, sure. So I think I think I'm just gonna because <laughs> there's so many different uh, different projects you can do with these kind of tools. I'm just gonna focus on uh, network analysis um, 
for okay. now. Which also, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you sort of. I always use a mixture between of like using more traditional people analytics, which focus on the individual and defining and understanding the individual usually, and social network analysis or or organizational network analysis, which some people would argue is kind of falls within people people analytics, but I kind of make that different dif- differentiation. So um, focusing on the individual, understanding the individual in terms of their skills, in terms of their ability, et cetera. And network analysis actually looks at the relations which are in an organization. So um, it kind of looks at and tries to understand how people feel, think and behave because of how they are embedded in the social structure of an organization. Whereas other sort of people analytics usually try to explain how people feel, think and, and, and behave based on their individual traits. I think both is important. So you would use those two kind of ways of understanding individuals to um approach various different problems in an organization and these problems and this is to answer your question could be um diversity and inclusion um and we can go into more detail um in in, in a bit about that um it could be change management um linked to that obviously um sort of digital transformation um programs you can look at uh, using network analysis and people analytics to understand um, outcomes of importance including performance but also employee experience um, such as uh, uh, if you want to understand the drivers of employee satisfaction and turnover so I, I take those kind of two ways of understanding individuals as the basis of um, uh, explaining and understanding uh uh, phenomena which help us um, solve these kind of broader organizational uh, uh, issues such as change management, mergers and acquisition, etc. Yeah, you you touched on a very good point there, like the, the idea of having the full picture, because no? you could answer yeah. a lot of the same you know, questions that you would answer traditionally with just uh, people analytics, but it gives you more insight into why maybe that is happening, right? And there's also questions that uh, that you may not be able to answer with traditional uh, people analytics, right? Like, uh, especially, you know, we were talking before about uh, flatter structures, et cetera, or um, things like, um, like where the work stays, who are the, you know, the... Um, the 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 uh, let's call it the trend makers in within the organization or uh or, or things like um, um potential bottlenecks or you know people that are key if they you know if they go sick <laughs> we have an issue you yeah. know, uh, and that kind of stuff so identifying all of those things within the organization is something that goes beyond you know that what you can normally do with with traditional uh approaches right um yeah. So, so uh, then moving on to uh, to uh, so we gather this data, right? Like, let's say you have people are based on on the uh, goal no, that we have in mind. Uh, then what? But like, how do we turn that data into actual insights that you know uh, leaders within the organization can can actually use, no, and and act on? Yes. Yeah. I think. Um... Uh, again, it depends on what we do. So usually before we even have that data, we know already what we're going to do with it. So, for example, if the idea is to um, find uh, change agents for a digital transformation program, then we know already, uh, okay, we're going to use um, 
a mixture of people analytics and network analysis to find people who have the right expertise to do that and who are trusted enough and influential, socially influential enough to yeah, push who, that. Who do I need through. to get on board? No, exactly. And it turns out that from um, there's various articles around there, and I can share stuff after this podcast, um, maybe, uh, but also from my own experience. Usually, if you ask sort of you know leadership, uh, top leadership around who are these people, they get about fifty percent right. Um, the other fifty percent are sort of hidden change agents, and the idea is um, again, it's the kind of network analysis uh, notion of people feel and think and act a certain way because of the people who influence them. So the idea is if we get those right people, if we identify those right people, we get them on board with a particular change or a digital transformation, they will be able to get the rest of the organization on board. And if you do this in a strategic and a scientific way by using these graph analytics, you can usually cover 80% of the organization by getting three to 5% um, of the right change agents. And these people are, so these are the minimum amount of people who are able to kind of affect the maximum amount of people in the organization. And they are distributed throughout the organizational network in a, in a particular way, uh, ensuring that the kind of transmission, or <laughs> if you want to call it like that, of the, the, the change or the, the, the particular digital transformation is uh, is the most effective. So basically, when I go in and collect the data, and I then get the results of you know using our algorithms, um, these uh, identifying these particular people, I already know exactly what I'm going to do with these insights. I I never want to go and do a network analysis and then kind of just go on some explorative fishing trip. Well, uh, that is more common than <laughs> than we would like for sure, because uh, there is a lot of information already available, right? Like you before, you mentioned, uh, you know, there's this stuff that uh, out of the um, the HR kind of process that's already there, right? I don't know, people who got promotions, when, you know, when did they join the company, et cetera, uh, results in their evaluation, all of that stuff there, right? So it's key, uh, especially, as you said, now to start with what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is what is the question that you're trying to answer? And not just, oh, look, we have all this data, let's do something fancy with it, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so uh, is this something that is, let's say, available only to you know Fortune 500 companies? Like, is this something that can be done, uh, you know, yeah. relatively easily not or on like, the cheap? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, like, you don't you don't need to have like a lot of resources in order to benefit from some of these things because you know we as we've lived through it in the the past you know months, right? Like organizations more than never have to adapt right and and having this tool in their tool bit no and and being able to uh, you know put forward change and do it in a more effective way or you know analyze what are the things that are blocking them from adapting no is is key right so Absolutely. Uh, is this something that uh, anyone can can sort of like act on yeah for sure um it's I think the the technology itself is not particularly compli complicated or expensive, um, at least on what we in Satalia offer. Um, I think the the art is um, kind of understanding 
people analytics, understanding network analysis and understanding the insights you get and then linking it to um, uh, making that data actionable, um, making sure that we're looking at um, integrating it into um, existing strategies so it's not like a standalone um, initiative. So um, that's where most of the work goes in, which is kind of, uh, I guess, consulting work in the beginning of the project. But the actual sort of data analysis and the actual um, uh, data assessment, which could be a short pulse check, by the way, I know people are allergic to pulse checks and surveys. They're never longer than two minutes, just throwing this in there. So it's not going to cause a whole lot of pain. Um, that is not um, a big deal. That that is, and it's not expensive at all. Okay, okay. So th this is then where I guess you know you come in, right? Like you're because exactly. your position at Italia is uh, as a strategist and consultant, particularly for for this area of of expertise, right? So how do you normally like engage with? A client in this sense? How do you help them figure out, you know, what is that question that they're trying to answer? Or maybe what's what's the most effective way of, of approaching the, the problem? I usually start with a little bit of a kind of exploration piece. So we would go um, in and would try to really understand the problem. Most of the time, they have a reason why they approach Satalia, right? They're saying, okay, well, our current diversity and inclusion, for example, initiatives are not doing what we want them to do. Can you help us? Can you help us with some technology? Can you help us potentially measure if our in initiatives are working? Can you help us um, understand and measure inclusion? And so they have a little bit of an idea, at least, what their problem is. Um, so that's kind of a starting point. And then I would go in and then I'd kind of start digging deeper and go back to what I've said before, ensure that we really understand what we're talking about um, and how for this particular project, how are we going to define um, the building blocks we're going to look at to solve this problem? So I think it's better if I just, just stick to an example, for example, diversity and inclusion. I go to a client we need to understand inclusion. Diversity is easier to understand. It's a number. It's a it's your mix of work uh, of, of the people in your organization. Inclusion is very hard to understand um, and to measure. So I would go in and we under, try to understand inclusion by, by trying to un define it uh, in what, what do we mean by it, for example. And I usually break it down in three aspects. So there's perceptual inclusion, which is how people feel and, and it's kind of this feeling of belonging it's this feeling of sort of psychological safety it's this feeling of um uh being being part of the group uh, etc then there is um there is uh, a, a relational belonging so which is measured by uh relational inclusion which is measured by social network analysis um and then there is uh, systemic uh inclusion which are which is kind of uh, linked to bigger organizational. Um... Let's take an example, right? Let's yeah. take uh, diversity and inclusion, right? Like, how would that look like? Let's say, well, how would if that I... engagement? So, so I would approach a client and really, ask, first of all, understand how they see these things. So, what does diversity mean for them? What does inclusion mean for them? Um, usually, if I ask 
how do you currently define and measure inclusion? There's not really a clear answer. And because we're trying to approach this by looking at analytics, we really need to understand what they mean by inclusion. We really need to understand where does inclusion in your organization sit? Do you mean by inclusion a feeling of belonging? Do you mean by inclusion making sure that the way you hire is um, inclusive? Do you mean by inclusion what what is it really you understand by inclusion? Um, from a network perspective, inclusion means that your behavior towards your colleagues um, is independent of potential differences in, for example, gender or race. So, or how are decisions made? Uh, how are decisions uh, made in an organization? Is this independent of people's differences in? gender, ethnicity, or whatever other diversity trait you're looking at. Um, how do people collaborate? How do people exchange information? Is this influenced by me being a different gender to you? Is this influenced by me being a different ethnicity? Um, network analysis gives you that the, the possibility to actually measure that, to look at these biases, and to actually not, not only just measure that, but try to understand why um, people are uh, kind of what kind of people or why do people um, act in this potentially biased way. So, so that just gives them a really different perspective. Um, next to that, it allows them to uh, actually look at do my diversity and inclusion initiatives actually have an effect? So at some point you can have a look at, okay, how do our people interact at the moment? Is this inclusive? And then you might have some sort of initiative and then you can go back, you know, a, a year later or six months later and actually look at, did that actually have an effect on how people uh, collaborate? This, or is, this is a key aspect because a lot of organizations that undertake or, or trying to, to undertake, uh, I don't know, digital transformations and, and that kind of stuff, they, um, they, embark on the journey but they it's like flying an airplane you know without <laughs> without you know the 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 beaters right basically how how far away from land are you, you know? like exactly. what's the tilt in the so so to some extent this provides them with uh let's say the the tools or the metrics in order to actually quantify what the impact of the of the things that they're doing is right like is it is it getting better right uh, or worse or exactly. you know or it stays the same it doesn't really matter yeah. if you're doing that because you're not touching on the on the actual uh you know, important parts, no? Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a key aspect as, as you mentioned before. And, uh, and then, then what, like once you, you know, you take them through this journey, clarify the problem, you know, let's figure out exactly what you mean by some of these concepts, because I, and sorry to be skipping a little bit, right. But uh, you mentioned, you know, diversity and inclusion, right. But a lot of the times we talk also about culture, right or or things like this which are very you know everyone talks about them but not everyone's very clear about what they mean right and yeah. and i guess this is some of the things that you can also uh, sort of uh, measure right what's the the impact of within you know the the organization or the network of, of these yes yeah, no, absolutely. This is interesting that you say that because people underestimate the role of culture. So they start measuring um, certain phenomena. They they say diversity and inclusion is important. They say partic in particular um, 
you know, having inclusive behavior, ensuring an inclusive climate um, is important. And they don't really define what that may, may, may mean and what do we actually need to do to encourage people to behave in, in this particular way. So it's all good if we say we want a culture of psychological safety, but what does that mean for an individual? Can we expect that people know how to act um, in a psychological, a psychologically safe way? I don't know. And a lot of times that's kind of where it stops. So um, cult, cult, well, culture is, is in, in incredibly important. And it's really interesting. So we had, a, I, I did the project um, using network analysis on, um, I did two projects which related to culture and network analysis. One was, um, uh, kind of around the idea that the people who are informal leaders in an organization, so people who are influencers and people who are um, opinion leaders in an organization, whatever characterizes them is the organizational culture. So whatever gets you ahead, whatever gets you to be an influencer in an organization, whatever defines these people, defines the culture. Because what a lot of times happens is that people build a top-down culture. They say, we have all these values and we have all these drives and this is our culture, but it's not actually what people live and behave. So it's a lot more interesting to see what defines the people who get ahead in our organization. And I would say that's exactly what culture is. So if an organization, people who are um, really, you know, really driven, really outcome driven, really, um, I don't know, uh, extrovert, extroverted, really, like go getter, you know, that, exactly. that kind of thing. That, yeah. Exactly. Then that is the culture of the organization. So understanding the people who are able to influence, understanding the people who are getting ahead, who are, in, who are, who are powerful in these networks will give you a very good idea of what's actually happening culturally so if you look at uh, another organization, you might find that the people who are good listeners and, care and, and have a caring personality are the people who are influential. That tells you about the culture in an organization. So there's there, there's a lot of things which kind of um, go together and where where you can use um, these kind of network analytics um, together with with kind of more traditional people analytics to to understand these phenomena bottom up rather than top down. Yeah, there is the now that you mentioned they're mentioning it now. There is this relationship between um, leadership, no, and being able to shape that culture, right? Because the same way that by understanding how leaders behave, you can under better understand, you know, the culture, uh, you can also shape it by you know changing their behavior, right? So, so that's a, that's a key factor there, no, and in, in this uh, in this approach, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, so if let's say if I want to start, you know, digging deeper into these topics, maybe I want to try it out a little bit or something like. What would you recommend someone who's like maybe starting with this or really likes to, um, you know, would like to get deeper into it? Um, I'm probably biased. I'm a psychologist, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually, okay. funnily enough. Um, <laughs> Funnily enough, I turned my back on traditional organizational psychology, which brought me to network analytics because social network analysis is um, actually a, a field in sociology. So it's basically quite different to what a psychology, 
psychologists would do and kind of behave all the outcomes based on individual traits. I'm sort of coming from a sociological perspective, it's obviously much more the kind of appreciation that how people are and how people act is a function of um, how you collaborate and how you are um, embedded in a network. So I think, I don't actually think one is right or wrong and there's a constant war going on there. I think, like I said before, and this is why I look at those two things kind of in uh, at, at the same time, um to 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 answer to, to answer those issues so i think kind of going out there and trying to understand from different perspectives um from a psycho- psychological point of view from a sociological point of view from an organizational science point of view from a sort of pure business and management point of view understanding why people feel um think and behave in a certain way and kind of really making that your mission and trying to um take those insights and then approach these um, problems of interest. And may that be change management, is that leadership, is that um, uh, diversity and inclusion uh, or whatever other issue you're trying to, try, trying to crack. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, what would you recommend then? So in, in terms of... Um, yeah, like, in, in terms of reading, maybe reading materials or, um, you know, uh, other sources, uh, you know, work from specific people. I know that for the cultural side of things, for instance, I, I, I like a lot of uh, Edgar Schein's stuff, right, around leadership and culture. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, you, you have plenty of other uh, sources that you can recommend. Yes, I, I, I do. Um, I mean, most of the most of the things I work from are fairly academic. Um, so if you, I think if you want to start off looking into network analytics, um, I think the kind of father of organizational network analysis is probably a guy called uh, Rob Cross. Um, he kind of started really bringing light to how there's a difference between a formal organization and an informal organization and why it's so important to appreciate um uh, that there is a difference and how those insights can be used um from there there is a, a, a ton of research um around kind of indiv- organizational psychology and uh, uh individual differences in people analytics out there um i can if if, if that's possible i don't know um is it possible will, to share yeah, something afterwards great. yeah yeah no problem i can yep, put together a little a little um, reading list on uh, people analytics as well as network analysis and how these things work together. We can we can put it in the description with the with the podcast when it goes out. Okay? Yes, no, no problem. Um, cool. Right, so, um, more or less, is is there anything else you may want to cover that we haven't uh, mentioned? Like I, we went through a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> and it's it's a fascinating field. Uh, but you know, is there is there anything in particular maybe you you want to mention? Um, good question. Let me just think about that for a second. You will cut that out, right? Um, <laughs> um, no, I think I think I think I think I'm I'm fine. I mean, I could speak about these things for. A long time and we could probably go back to a lot of these um areas so i'm very happy to expand on any of of, of the areas we we talked about but i think if i start talking about something new now it probably just <laughs> gets a little confusing 
No, it's uh, it's okay. It's okay. So we will we'll add um, the recomm the reading recommendations uh, uh, in the description. And uh, I guess that is all for today. We cover a lot of ground. Uh, Laura, very happy to have you uh, anytime. You know, come back anytime. Um, Thank you very much. To, you know, discuss this or, or any other topics. I hope you you have fun, and I hope you know the the listeners also uh, you know enjoyed it because I definitely did. So awesome. uh, Thank see you, so you all much. in a, yeah. Then then stay tuned for another episode of Kudurin Stocks. See you soon.